Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, and welcome to Real Presence Live. This is Tom O'Keefe along with... Steve Sponskowski. We have got a beautiful morning ra- uh, plan for you this morning. Number of terrific guests talking about from partly uh, St. Therese Lisieux to some poetry uh, to Blake Ritterman joining us to talk about a recent retreat he was on. Yeah, it should be a great morning, Tom. How are you doing this morning? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think we jumped from winter into summer here is what it, the, kind of the word on the street. Nothing in between. Nothing. 32 to 92. <laughs> it's great. But uh, uh, just a beautiful weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, what did you do for the weekend, Tom? Uh, this past weekend, I just did some work. Um, I have a daughter home. Uh, she lives in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So got to spend time with a couple of grandchildren. It's just a beautiful thing watching your uh, your children with their children. And just brings home uh, what the beauty of the family really is all about. Uh, just watching just that is, is, I could sit in a chair and watch it all day. Isn't that something, I think, kind of just taking that in, uh, of, of just soaking in the joy that God has uh, placed into our children and families, that opportunity to uh, just be. Yeah, you know, like kind of that sense of uh, don't just do something, stand there, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I had the chance to watch Harrison Butker give his graduation commencement speech at Georgia Tech last week, and or, and I think it's been a couple of weeks since he did it. But he spoke about if you want to make a difference in life, get married and have a family. Mm. And I just couldn't help but think about it as I watched my daughter and my son-in-law with their kids and think, okay, there, there's a legacy there that you can't leave any other way. You know, something that was just shared yesterday, I was in a meeting yesterday with a, with a priest uh, from the diocese, and it was shared that, you know, over the last uh, 20 to 40 years, um, the vocations to the, the priesthood have, have dropped 70%, but vocations to holy marriages has dropped 77%. And so then, and then also the, another study that said that 93% of the priests who were ordained this last year all came from intact families. And so there's a, there's a connection there. The, Absolutely, the destruction of the of the domestic church, which is the family, um, leads to the destruction of everything. Yeah, the foundation of the family was was goes goes back to Genesis, and, so, and Adam as as head of the family and priest of his family. Yeah, so yeah, this weekend too, I spent the weekend uh, hanging out with my family. And just uh, that's actually my goal for the summertime to spend time with the family. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's my goal is to just uh, be. Uh, we're all back uh, in the area, back from school and whatnot, and. My daughter's getting married this fall, so be just present. Gonna, I'm going to be. I'm going to be present, and and folks, we thank you for being present with us here on Real Presence Radio. We have these next couple hours of conversations, um, uh, conversations of consequence, as it might, as you might say. And so, we're going to start our conversation this morning with a conversation with Mary uh, Beth Bracy. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Excellent. What did you do over the weekend? Oh, um, I planted flowers at some family graves, and I, I actually got quite a bit of work done, but a little bit of rest and some sunshine, too. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I work as a copywriter for Sophia Institute Press and also as the publicity coordinator. Um, I'm kind of a Therese addict, and I, as a freelance writer, I've written a lot about her. I even wrote a book called The Little Way of Healing Love. 
through the Passion of Jesus, the Stations of the Cross with St. Therese of Lisieux. I became acquainted with her at my confirmation and found out that we share the same birth date. And later I was really blessed to visit her home, Carmel and Basilica in Lisieux. And I was present at World Youth Day in 1997 when St. John Paul II declared that she would become a doctor of the church. St. Teresa of is just is just such a magnet to people. She just draws draws people in. And why do you think that is? I think people find her approachable. Some people, after they encounter her, um, describe her as their sister. So I think that there's something so inviting about her. Some people are just captivated by her picture at times. Her little way of confidence and love is something that everyone can aspire to. It's something that is proclaiming the gospel in a way that is really simple but very profound, and it invites us to remember that we're all called to be um, children of the Father and to rest in His arms. And is uh, Mary Beth, what drew you to uh, Saint Therese of the Zoo uh, yourself? What were some of the things that drew you into that? You said you, you share the birthday, but other things that uh, kind of. What was the first uh, your first encounter with with her spirituality? My first encounter when I was looking for a confirmation name was flipping through a saint's book, and I immediately was captivated by her image. She looked so joyful and so peaceful, um, and when I read the description about her, it made it sound kind of like her little way was a shortcut to heaven, and I said, I need to take that shortcut. Um, so I was really impressed by that. You know, that's something that's part of her story, too, where she went into, I can't remember the town, uh, she went to visit, uh, and she uh, experienced the first, like, an elevator kind of type thing. And, and she was telling, you know, after Lord in her prayer, and she writes this in her writings, so she said, Lord, I want the elevator to you, Lord. I don't want to go up the stairs. I want that elevator um, to you. Um, and that was, that really struck me, too, kind of that her little way is, we're, we're a little impatient. Uh, <laughs> and, and the Lord is, is, is okay with that, I think. Sometimes we're impatient, like our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O Lord, of course, is uh, the great, great quote. Um, from St. Augustine, and I think it is a, a reminder of that, the desire uh, for the Lord. And to me, she always kind of encapsulated that image of, of the child. You know, and Jesus says, let, let the children come to me, and just her, her imagery of, okay, I'll, I'll lift my, my arms up to God, and you can pick me up. I am the littlest of your flowers. Uh, just makes, like you said, approachable, Mary Beth. Uh, it makes holiness and that, that path to heaven that you talked about uh, something that we can all accomplish by her example. Definitely. Um, and as, as you mentioned, the elevator to Jesus is really his arm, so he lifts us up. And I love the analogy when St. Therese says, a little child learning to walk can't go up the first step, so they just kind of wait at that first step and cry to their parents to carry them. And so I think that's what's so appealing about St. Therese, is she just reminds us that basically, you know, we're all little, we're all weak, and so we just need to trust in God. Yeah, great, great opportunity for, uh, to really, and in, in our church, you know, in our Catholic church, there's uh, so many diverse spiritualities, and of course, uh, St. Therese of the Zoo, a great, uh, a great uh, gift to us. Mary Beth Bracey joining us this hour, talking about, um, I believe in love, St. Teresa, and of course, so we're going to talk more about, um, we're going to reference this book, um, but a little more about, uh, can you tell us a little bit of the Many of our listeners may not know the kind of the high points of St. Therese of the Zoo, her story. Mary Beth, can you kind of just paint a little picture for us of who this saint was? Sure. So she was born in 1873 and died in 1897. She lived in the Normandy region of France. She came from a large family. Several of her siblings died in infancy or early on. 
However, she had four sisters who actually survived to adulthood and lived past her. Um, three of them also became Carmelites, and one became a sister of the Visitation. Her parents are actually both canonized saints as well, Louis and Zelie Martin. And she was drawn to be... Um, she was drawn to be a Carmelite at an early age, but she had to wait until she was 15. And she was really, um, she persevered. And she also is most famous for writing Story of a Soul, her autobiography. She also wrote poems and plays and numerous letters as well. She painted frescoes, and she was also an incredible um, embroideress as well. And she's patron of the missions, except for she lived in a cloister. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? That's a question people always get, like, how is she a, a patron saint of the missions, but yet she's a, lived in a cloister, Mary Beth? Sure, definitely. Um, and I recently read this amazing book called I Would Like to Travel the World, and it's taken, that quote is taken from her manuscript B in Story of a Soul, where she talks about how one mission for her would not be enough. She wanted to travel to all of the five continents, simultaneously to preach the gospel message. And so even though she never left the convent, through her prayers, through her little sacrifices of love, through offering everything to Jesus, um, she has really traveled the world and touched so many hearts. People from every vocation and walk of life are drawn to her. And also she has toured the world, kind of, I guess you could say literally, through her relics as well. Yeah, and she, uh, her, her famous quote, I will spend, uh, spend my, having, my heaven uh, showering roses. Um, and that's okay. in many of us who are probably listening, uh, many of us maybe have a uh, devotion to our, uh, St. Therese of the Zoo. I have to share myself in my own uh, vocation story of uh, you know, a novena to her in trying to discern uh, what vocation I was called to. And uh, my my oldest daughter, Therese, is named after Therese of the Zoo because uh, I do believe she helped uh, lead me to uh, the vocation I'm in now and, and the children uh, that my wife and I now share um, as a gift from the Lord. And so it's a, she's a great saint to call out to. Again, we were, I think last show we were talking about the meaning of a novena, and that's a nine days, and oftentimes you'll hear about the novena to St. Therese of the Zoo. And that word novena comes from that time of waiting between the Ascension and Pentecost. There's nine days, of course, and the Lord ascends into heaven, and he says, I will send the paraclete, I will send the Holy Spirit, and there's nine days of waiting between Ascension um, and Pentecost. And so there's that, that uh, tradition in the church of praying for those nine days, a novena, nine-day novena, so there's a novena to St. Therese of the Zoo. Take a look on the internet, you'll find uh, numerous versions of it, but a great novena to pray um, for any intention um, as you're seeking the Lord's will and desiring a closer relationship with him. Yeah, and I think she's just such a great example. We talk about her wanting to be a mission, but then she becomes the patron saint of missionaries. Is is the power uh, uh, power of prayer, and how our participation in prayer can have impact uh, on on people uh, that we that we won't even see till till the the end of time. Uh, so you know, her her impact, her participating in all these things, was through her powerful prayer in her cloistered. And so we're visiting again this hour with Mary Beth Bracey, talking about I believe in love. Uh, uh, and this is the name of a book uh, about St. Therese of the Zoo, and it's written uh, by Father Jean de C.J. de Elbe, I guess. Is, how, is that how you say that, Mary Beth? How would you say that? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. And uh, 
Uh, tell us, we're going we're to go into a break a little bit here, but let's just set this up for a conversation on, on the other side of the hour. How did you come across this book, Mary Beth, I Believe in Love? Oh, I actually came across it several years ago. Um, however, it has become, I think, widely more popular in recent years. Even though he originally wrote the book in 1969, that was when it was first published in French, it was translated into English later. And some of my friends love the book so much that I don't think they leave home without it, and they're always recommending it to everybody. Um, so I think it's just so rich in proclaiming God's divine mercy and love for all of us that it just caught on like wildfire. And now there's even study editions and leader guides and everything else to go along with the book. And do you know much about the author? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Father Jean? So he was from France. He lived from 1892 to 1982. And he was the Superior General of the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary and of Adoration. There isn't a lot known about him, so I think that he probably led a more hidden life like St. Therese. But again, his writing has reached so many souls because it's considered now to be a spiritual classic. And many of these great uh, classics available to us uh, to go back and really uh, um, mine in the uh, this deposit of faith, as it were, of uh, of really um, of witness uh, to to our faith and, and lived lived faith, which I think is really important today. I think many people uh, we go to retreats, we go to events, we become lit on fire, but it's really challenging to take that experience, uh, Tom, and translate it into everyday life, I think, for all of us. Yeah, how do we take those simple things we learn? And, and that's one thing that St. Therese of did was make, was make it simple and, and, and stay focused on that and not complicated with all, all the things of life that, that, that come our way and focus on those, those core important things that we need to do every day. Yeah, that little way, that yeah. little way that she talks about. Folks, if you just joined us, uh, this is Real Presence Live. We're visiting with Mary Beth Bracey talking about I Believe in Love, a book on uh, St. Therese written by Father Jean C.J. de Elbey. And uh, we're going to talk more about this book on the other side of the break. But uh, stay with us. We've got more conversation coming up uh, this today with you on Real Presence Live. Of course, we're with you for two hours and continuing to unpack some of the treasures of our faith that are, have been out there. And some of these, these treasures are, are so more accessible to us now uh, with, uh, you know, with kind of the, as it were, translating uh, the message uh, authors taking the message of many of the saints and translating it for us, rewriting it for us, so that we can this makes it more accessible. And so we're going to more conversations on that here on Real Presence Live. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
you're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. And we are talking this morning uh, with Mary Beth Bracey talking about I Believe in Love, uh, a book written by Father Jean Elbey, and uh, he is uh, writing on uh, about Saint Therese of Lisieux, uh, a great favorite of many, uh, many uh, Catholics, many people in this area. Uh, talking earlier, Tom, about uh, novenas and having like a nine-day prayer. Again, uh, again, historical part of the church and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come after our Lord ascended into heaven at Pentecost. He ascended, and then at Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit. There's a nine-day wait there, and so there's a. If we pray a novena. We're praying that nine days, and so we can also do a prayer of intercession to many of the saints, and so many have done prayers like that um, and, and received great favors um, from our Lord through that intercession of, of the saints who, uh, who are in heaven. And so uh, we're visiting with Mary Beth Bracey, and, and Mary Beth, we kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the, uh, what are some of the uh, miracles or intercessions you've received um, on behalf uh, uh, of the intercession of uh, St. Therese of the Zoo? So, as you mentioned before, St. Therese is a great intercessor to help you find your vocation. Um, mine was maybe a bit more of a circuitous route, but she ultimately helped me find the vocation of a consecrated virgin in the world for my diocese. And it, uh, so along the way, I would ask her intercession in different ways, and she would be kind of like, okay, this isn't the right path, or this isn't the right path. Um, so I think St. Therese is a great intercessor because she's kind of like a, a wonderful older sister, who will gently but also very straightforwardly tell you, okay, I think you're, you're going in the right way or, or maybe you need to change things up. Um, additionally, though, I think that two of the most profound things in my, my life and, and in my family are that I have twin nieces, uh, Therese and Catherine, who were born very prematurely. They weighed a pound and a half each, and the doctors didn't expect them to live through the night, but they're 25 now. And so I, we really ask St. Therese's intercession and attribute a lot of their healing and their life in general to um, the intercession of St. Therese. And also a few years ago, my great-niece, um, she developed this really um, terrible situation with her lungs as a reaction to an, an antibiotic, and she spent the better part of a year in a children's hospital and it was really touch and go. We didn't know if she was going to survive even. And we, my mother and I gave her a, a relic of St. Therese, and her parents would touch it to her every day. So again, we really attribute, because we were asking St. Therese's intercession, her healing to St. Therese. Um, today she runs around, she's very joyful, and she's just full of life. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to St. Therese for those things in particular. That's wonderful, and Mary Beth, thank you for, for sharing that, those stories. You know, and again, folks, we know that uh, our God is a good God, and He uh, really gives us great gifts. And one of those gifts is the saints, who, again, uh, if, you're, if you're not Catholic and you're thinking, okay, this whole thing of Catholics praying to the saints, uh, keep in mind that it's, as we're using the word intercession, we're asking for their prayers. So it would be similar to if you called your friend up and said, I'm having a tough day today, could you say a prayer for me? And they're going to say, Yes. Well, of course, we believe, because of the resurrection, in the communion of saints, that we're all still able to communicate and be in relationship with one another and with our God. And so for those people who are in heaven, 
who are enjoying the beatific vision, we know that we can also talk to them. We don't we don't worship them, but we we ask for their intercession because they 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 really they behold the face of God um, in the beatific vision, and so that's what we're doing. We're communicating with the saints and asking them to also pray. So call your friends to ask for help today, but also call the saints who are in heaven, who have lived this life and worked this work um, and are now beholding the face of God because uh, they're right there and we need their prayers too. And these saints, these St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, uh, Justin Martyr, his memorial is today. These are our heroes. Yep. Uh, this is why we have statues. This is why we have pictures. This is why we have relics. These are the people that have gone before us and shown us how it's done. Uh, th- these are the people we look to as part of our family. Uh, our ancestry, our, our faith ancestry, and uh, and you can, like you said, the, the impact that that Saint Teresa of Sue has had on on generations uh, since since her death. The, uh, Mary Beth, this book contains a section on how to deal with failure, uh, and uh, I think that's something that we all struggle with and and learn, need to learn to, to deal with. And can you tell us a little bit more about the, her example there? Sure, I think Saint Teresa is a, a great example for us. Um, so, for instance, in this book, Pierre-Jean describes that when we fail, we can recognize that although we are like the prodigal son, each time we pick ourselves up after a fall, the, pre- the feast of the prodigal son is renewed. Um, so, St. Therese reminds us of two things in particular, that we need to have humility and confidence. And so when we come before God humbly and just kind of say, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on, um, we admit that we're human and that we will fail often because we're human, but that we shouldn't be afraid to throw ourselves confidently into the arms of our loving Father. So there's some really beautiful quotes in here um, that talk about what St. Therese and uh, Perjan had to say about healing from failure. For instance, St. Therese says that even if she committed all the sins in the world, that she would go with her heart broken to repent and throw herself into the arms of Jesus, for she knows how much he cherishes the prodigal child who returns to him. So she even at one point in her writing says that even if she had committed, you know, all the mortal sins in the world, all the crimes, that she would still go to God with confidence and mercy and be reconciled with him. She really had that illimitable trust in God's mercy and providence. Um, She also, one time her sister was really struggling, and she was kind of a bit scrupulous, and she said to her, we would like never to fall. What does it matter, my Jesus, if I fall every moment? It shows me my weakness, and it is a great gain for me. It shows you what I am capable of, and then you will be more tempted to carry me in your arms. So there are so many reminders in here of really how sometimes failure brings us in a sense, closer to God, um, because it, it reminds us that we're His children and in need of totally depending on Him. She, she pairs that failure with that humble and contrite heart, that humble and contrite heart that, that God so longs for in each of us. Definitely. And we know that when we do go to Him, that He makes everything new, and He changes misery to mercy, um, as Perjan describes in this book as well. Yeah, I love how her, she really opens up that that window into what true humility is, um, and that is, and she in some of her writings talks about how, you know, being surprised by our sinfulness and being frustrated by our sinfulness is pride. 
it's pride. Whereas in humility, we recognize humility means recognizing who we are and, and who we are before God. Um, and really just saying, okay, if I fall, I'm going to go to the Father. He's looking for me all the time. Um, I should never really be surprised uh, by my feelings, by my weaknesses. Um, and, and maybe more so be surprised by the mercy of God. Um, and maybe not even be surprised by that, but also be aware of the mercy of God that he is always there to forgive. And so can any of our listeners right now, if you're thinking, gosh, I'm such a terrible sinner. I know, Tom, do you go to confession? And when you go to confession, I go to confession every month. And I feel like 98% of the things that I confess are the same things I've been confessing for the last 40 years. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. like, Lord, not that I want a new sin to confess, but maybe some different ones. Um, but it's a journey, right? These are things that are tied to our personality. <clears throat> and so we continue to work through them. And I think sometimes we get the sense of, you know, as the Lord, be, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, Jesus says to us. And people really come off of that and say, I have to, I have to gain for myself perfection. But I think we go back to Therese and the loving arms of the Father. That perfection, that being raised up, is running to his arms, and he is the one who does the lifting up. He is the one who does the perfecting, um, not us. We run to him and say, I'm imperfect. And he says, let me lift you up. And let's talk a little bit about that too, Mary Beth. I know in the book here on the website talks about, you know, there's crosses. We can't avoid crosses. You know, that's kind of a, in a certain thing in life. If you, you want to avoid conflict um, in life, you're, you're really going to be unhappy because it's impossible to avoid conflict. So rather than avoiding conflict, learn how to deal well with conflict. So how do we deal well with suffering and crosses? So I think kind of keeping our eyes on Jesus and realizing that suffering is for our growth and leads us to the fullness of love. And that can be really hard to remember when we're going through especially intense suffering. But Paris Jean explains that it is really an invention of divine mercy and that it helps to strengthen our union with Christ because all of God's chosen ones, especially the ones, you know, he draws close to his heart, have trials. Um, that also some other of the top five reasons are that it helps us to detach ourselves from worldly things and have greater compassion for others. And a great cross oftentimes comes before a great grace and joy. I remember I was really struggling a few months ago with something, and my spiritual director said, okay, so these things often happen before something good and beautiful, true, and true are going to happen. So I really kind of held on to that, those obstacles, those things that we face along the way. It yeah. also... Go ahead. Keep going. It helps us to atone for our sins and to help save souls, and it's also for our purification, so it, it's readying us for heaven. Yeah, I think those are great points. All of those are something that you could, we could each spend some time meditating on or, you know, conversing with the Lord on, okay, Lord, why is this suffering here? Is this, are you pointing to a great gift that you want? Are you allowing? And I, I, I kind of get this sense of oftentimes, you know, Satan um, is always trying to distract us from the gifts that the Lord is giving us, but he, he's not really good at poker. He's like, he plays poker with his hand, hand out and you look up and like, I'm having a really bad day. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what's going on. The Lord has an amazing gift for me on the other side, and you're trying to distract me. Um, and so that really can, in the spiritual life, you know, it's inviting you to look back at your journey and, and recognize how the Lord has worked in your life because he is very consistent. Um, and you might see a pattern. And as you start to see those patterns between desolation and consolation, you know, desolation, feeling like the Lord is, is far 
um, and constellation that is near that you'll pay attention to that. So a, a great way to do that is to get this book, I Believe in Love, um, by, uh, again, Father Jean C.J. de Elbe. And it's available at sophiainstitute.com. You can search it for there. I Believe in Love is the name of the book. And, uh, and just, uh, again, some of these great readings to, to draw us in. Um, any uh, final thoughts, Mary Beth, that you'd like to share with us? Um, I love Therese's quote, I am not always faithful, but I never get discouraged. I abandon myself into the arms of Jesus, and there I find again all that I have lost and much more besides. Amen. Well, thank you, Mary Beth Bracey, for joining us this hour. Again, sophiainstitute.com, I believe in love, uh, by Father uh, Jean C.J. de Elbe. Just fun to say that name. We're going to be back on the other side of the break uh, to talk with Blake Riddeman, who was just on a retreat there at Maryvale. We're going to talk more about that on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 